podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Stressed about your bladder? You're not alone. Millions of women are affected. Bebron's Divine is the solution. An intervaginal medical product, easy to use like a tampon, completely invisible, with daily continence control, giving you the freedom to laugh, cough, run without leakage. Divine is available online at lloydspharmacy.ie and in stores nationwide. Take control with Divine. And welcome to the first episode of Talking Point, a podcast by Planet F1. Yes, we're doing a podcast now. So, after every race this season, we'll be sitting down to discuss and dissect what we've seen before looking ahead to the next one. We'll also be doing a mid-season review and an end-of-season review. Before any of that, though, we're kicking things off with a season preview. Joining me for it today is the uh, Planet F1 editor, Michelle Foster. Michelle, how's the off-season been for you? Oh, it's been fantastic, Finn, having a bit of a break, enjoying life. But uh, yeah, I think we're all raring to go with Formula One now. And so excited that Planet F1 now has a podcast. Um, I think this, this could actually be a good season. Um, we've had a couple of couple of duds in the last few years. But I really think this, team, this year we have uh, three teams that are capable of winning races easily. And uh, a couple who are going to be knocking on the podium's door, if not spraying the champagne. Well, we're going to get straight into it, and we're going to start things off at the top and just work our way down from there. So let's kick things off with the title fight. Um, just first impressions, how do you think it's looking? First impressions, I'm going to say let's hand Mercedes the lowest titles. Um, they're going to have to work for it. That's definite. Um, and I think especially Red Bull is going to give them a challenge this season. But Mercedes is looking pretty, pretty quick. Uh, in fact, their only, their only downside at the moment seems to be that engine. They've pushed perhaps a little too hard, trying to find that extra kilometer, as Lewis Hamilton put it. Um, and that extra kilometer seems to be breaking their power unit. But that's, that could be a blessing for the rest of the field. Yeah, I think uh, when everyone saw uh, Hamilton pull over and testing, everybody slightly got their hopes up about it. Um, we can't really take too much from it, though, can we? No, definitely not. All we know with Mercedes is they just told Hamilton just to uh, switch the car off quickly just to make it look a bit more exciting. Um, we've had many races in the last couple of years where Total Wolf has spoken about how close the competition is going to be and how Mercedes really have to do their best to hold everyone at bay. Um, and then they've, they've absolutely blitzed the field and finished with a one, two miles ahead. So unfortunately, when it does come to Mercedes, we take everything with a bucket of salt, even their breakdowns. Yeah, uh, of the big story for them was DAS, obviously. Um, do you think that's, one, going to be something that we'll see a lot this season? And two, is it going to be, what, is it going to have a big effect on their pace? I have to say, that's an interesting one. I mean, Ferrari came out saying after, after DAS debuted, and I'd still like to know, were Mercedes going to tell us about DAS? Or was it the eagle-eyed viewers who were watching testing live that noticed DAS and kind of gave the game away? Uh, but rivals have come out with mixed reviews. Ferrari said they considered it, but they didn't think it was worthwhile. And Helmut Marko came out saying he reckons it could be worth as much as tenth of tenth a lap. Now we all know with Helmut, he is prone to exaggerating the truth, to put it politely. Um, and if yeah, if he can play mind games and pretty much put the onus on Mercedes, then that's what he's going to do. But we won't really know until Australia how dust will actually work for the team if they'll even use it. 
the basics are that you, by pushing or pulling on the steering wheel, the driver changes the, the toe of the front wheels. It improves, so they say, it improves cornering. They say it improves drag down the straights, um, and, and it helps with tire wear. I can definitely see the helping with tire wear part. Um, however, the rest, well, I guess it really is going to be one of those time will tell whether dust hands Mercedes the world titles. But if any team doesn't need an advantage, let's be honest, it's Mercedes. Yeah, I think uh, it would have been, well, I personally would have preferred it if maybe we saw it on a uh, a team a bit lower down the field, you know, that Mercedes getting better than they already are. I mean, oh God, it's a scary thought, isn't it? Um Obviously, Ferrari made the whole claim of, yeah, well, we thought about it, but we don't don't think it's worth it. Obviously, they've topped testing for the last few years. This year, that wasn't the case. Do you think it's sandbagging or genuine cause for concern? I honestly don't know. I'm, I am a bit worried that it is actually cause for concern. I think Ferrari is the only team who were actually slower this year than they were last year. Um which is, as I said, a, a bit of a concern. They've come out saying that basically they've taken away some of the power of the engine to rather improve its reliability. But to the best of my recollection, Ferrari's engine wasn't that unreliable last year, so I don't quite get why they're saying that. Um, we have to remember in the second half of years, or the second half of last year, those technical directors were issued, which basically curtailed Ferrari's speeds. They claimed it had nothing to do with anything. Um, and that they were focusing on cornering, and that's why they, they suddenly weren't winning races after that run of three after the summer break. But, yeah, the concern is that whatever Ferrari were doing with their engine last season, the FIA have now put a stop to that, and this year they don't seem to have bounced back. Um, I think if you look at the overall timesheets, pretty much Haas, Alfatori, um, and Ferrari were the only teams that like really lost time compared to last year. So, and two of those are are powered by Ferrari, Haas and Ferrari. So, as I said, that is a bit of a worry. They had one minor engine issue during the testing, but when you consider the fact that Mercedes had four during the testing, um, Ferrari's looking pretty good with the reliability of the power unit. But it does seem to be lacking, and that's a worry. Yeah, I think if you if you look at last year, their pace, I mean, it pretty much all came from that power unit. All the races they won, all the pole positions, it all came from the engine they had because their chassis just couldn't really compete with Mercedes or Red Bull. So, yeah, if like you say, there are, the FIA have, you know, made changes that mean they can't have that kind of power this year. It's obviously a big concern and it, it could keep, cause them to be, looking over their shoulders rather than looking ahead at Mercedes because uh, Red Bull didn't look half bad, did they? No, Red Bull didn't look half bad. Um, it's Yeah, the Ferrari situation is a worry. I mean, again, this year they're speaking about how they're focusing on cornering and the car's better in cornering and stuff like that. But it's kind of like they've swapped one for another. They now can apparently corner better than they could before, but they're, they're slowed down the straight, so that's a worry. Red Bull, however, with their Honda power units, they seem to have got a pretty good mix at the moment. Uh, Red Bull are known for building good chassis. It's something that you can always give them a, a huge applause for. Uh, Adrian Newey leading that, that design team. He knows what he's talking about. And that Honda power unit has come along in leaps and bounds since its McLaren days. So I really think that if this year, if anybody's going to take the flight to Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas, it's going to be Max Verstappen. 
but don't discount Alexander Alban either in that one. Uh, last year, he only spent, I think it was nine races with Red Bull, almost put the car on the podium if it wasn't for Hamilton giving him a little kiss on the tush. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think Red Bull are going to be the main challengers this year because I think Pio Ferrari have actually let themselves down. You mentioned Albon. Um, let's just, you know, talk a bit about the drivers each team has. Obviously, Mercedes opted to keep Bottas over going for Esteban Ocon for this season. Do you think we're going to see uh, Bottas, well, I don't know what we're on, 3.0, 4.0, uh, you know, a supposedly rejuvenated guy fighting Hamilton, or do you think it's going to be more of the same? Um, unfortunately, I think we can hit Bottas 17.9, however you want to see it. Um, he's won the Winter World Championship uh, or the Preseason Championship, whichever you want to call it. But I think that's far as Valtteri is going to get in winning championships. Arguably, the most interesting teammate battle this year comes in Ferrari, Leclerc and Vettel. So many people are writing Vettel off saying, uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to retire. Uh, he'll lose and he'll retire or he'll lose his seat and maybe, I don't know, drunk Kimi at Alpha. Do you, do you see that happening, or do you reckon he'll be able to put up a, more of a fight? I think Vettel is going to put up a really good fight against Charles Leclerc this season. Um, I kind of feel, you know, when you sit down with your mates and you play a game of cards that you've never played before, but you win the first couple of rounds, and from there you tank, I kind of feel like Charles Leclerc might have a bit of a tanking season in Ferrari. Um, it's all good and well to get up there and to get near the top, but to maintain it is a lot harder. And Vettel has maintained that for, for years. Yes, he's made some stupid mistakes of late, but I really feel like if he cuts those mistakes out, um, Charlotte is going to be the number two at Ferrari this season. I, I think I'd probably say pecking order, but just before going into Australia, must be Mercedes and then Red Bull just ahead of Ferrari. Do you agree with that? Um, I would say Red Bull just behind Mercedes and a chunk of his Ferrari. Same, same order, but slight difference in the gaps. Okay, well, I think it's, it's safe to assume that the big three are going to have a decent gap over the rest of the field either way. Um, but below, the fight to be the best of the rest, it's shaping up to be a pretty, pretty interesting one. Do we think it's going to be like the title fight another three-horse race? I think that's going to be an absolutely fantastic one. I'm really hoping this year that the FOM cameras realize where they need to focus on, because what they need to focus on is McLaren, Renault, and racing points. You know? um, that pink Mercedes is looking absolutely phenomenal in testing. Now, testing is testing. We all know this. They could be running low fuel and stuff. But basically, the last, I'd say, five or six years, it's been either McLaren, Renault, or, or, or racing points, previously known as Force India, uh, sitting in fourth place. They've taken a couple of podiums between a lot of them. I really think that they're going to be a fantastic midfield. I cannot tell you which of them I would pick for fourth place. It's, it's going to be a hard one, and I think it's probably going to be the one battle that will go all the way to Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. What are your thoughts? There's been a lot of criticism over... I, I, I've started terming them as the pink arrows um effectively just taking mercedes's car from last year uh what do you think do you think that's you know morally ethically okay the rules say it's legal so therefore it's legal um racing points are adamant that they designed every inch of that car themselves they just looked at the mercedes they analyzed the mercedes they broke down the mercedes 
and let's be honest, if you're going to copy a team's car, you're going to copy Mercedes's. It's the best and has been the best for the last couple of years. Uh, Racing points have recently come out and said basically the reason why rivals are complaining is because they didn't think of it themselves. And that's actually a really good point because this year the rules are stagnant. So any team pretty much could have copied the 2019 Mercedes and worked their way up the order. Racing points have done it, just so happens it also has the Mercedes gearbox and the Mercedes engine. So props to them for doing it. Uh, I personally don't actually have an issue with customer cars. What I want to see in Formula One is five, six teams being able to fight for the podium week in and week out, if not even being able to fight for the win. So if this puts racing points in the fight for the podium, taking on Red Bull, taking on Ferrari, who knows, maybe even taking on Mercedes, then I think they've done the right thing for Formula One and for themselves. Yeah, I mean, the first, literally, the first thought I had when I saw it and all, all those pictures went around on social media of it pretty, pretty much looking identical to the 2019 Mercedes was, why hasn't anyone else done that? You know, there's no regulation changes. It's well within the rules. And, I mean, personally, yeah, I think it's going to create much better racing. So if we're uh, assuming that, again, the midfield, the, these three teams are going to be pretty even in terms of pace, which we see... A lot more in the midfield rather than at the top three. The crucial thing is going to be the drivers. Uh, which driver lineup do you think has the best chance of winning that battle? That's a difficult one because the driver who I think has the best chance of winning that battle is Sergio Perez. However, the lineup includes Lance Stroll, and I don't see Lance Stroll being extremely helpful uh, in the greater scheme of things. Um, as oh. I have to say, I'm really intrigued by the Renault lineup. I think Daniel Ricciardo, well, as we all know, Daniel Ricciardo is a proven race winner. Um, and Esteban Ocon is, is a youngster who really needs to prove himself. A year on the sidelines as Mercedes' reserve driver, he needs to show Formula One that he really does deserve his place on the grid. Um, and potentially he needs to show racing points that they made a mistake keeping the owner's son instead of dropping him. So I think out of the, the three teams, uh, Renault has the strongest lineup. McLaren, I think, has the lineup that will have the longevity in Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris. They have an incredible lineup for the future, but I would say Norris potentially needs a couple more years before he, he's putting in sort of the Carlos Sainz results. So I would give Sergio Perez seventh place in the championship. And in fact, you know what, I actually think that that racing point is going to be so much ahead of Renault, I would also put them ahead of Renault in the standings with potentially McLaren sliding in between them. Obviously, um, Daniel Ricciardo is out of contract, end of the season. Do you think that it's a case this year of Renault need to be pretty comfortably the best of the rest to keep him for next year? No, in all honesty, I think Renault needs Sebastian Vettel to win races to keep uh, Daniel Ricciardo for next year. I think Danny Rick will be the favourite to replace Seb if he does decide to quit Formula One or to quit Ferrari. Uh, but I think as well that if he doesn't go to Ferrari in 2021, he'll stay with Renault. He's come out saying he, he didn't join this team as a stepping stone to get to the next best thing. He wants to make it work with them. They're a big manufacturer. They do have more money behind them than a team like, say, Racing Point. 
So yeah, I think uh, I think unless Ferrari have an open seat for next season, Renault can already start writing out that paperwork for Danny Rick. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I can't really see him going. It's like you said, unless Vettel has a really awful season, I just don't think there's any more space for him really. Regardless of Racing Point Renault McLaren, how that battle turns out, can we really see any of them getting multiple podiums? I don't know so much about multiple podiums, but I predict Racing Point, McLaren and Renault will all be on the podium this season. Um, I think it'll be the first time since 2015, maybe 2016, no, since 2015 that three teams aside from the big three will be on the podium, but I am confident that will happen. Multiple podiums, I think the multiple podiums, we might be speaking only about Sergio Perez on that account. Oh, you're getting my hopes up now. Just the, the thought of that was, uh, it, seemed, it feels like such a long time since we've had that kind of situation. I mean, in a perfect world, we'd have 2012 where you get uh, the likes of Pastor Maldonado winning a race, but that's maybe a bit more far-fetched. That's it. That's six teams discussed. Uh, the other four is going to be, I mean, I guess the best of the best of the rest. Um Last year, it wasn't a particularly close fight to avoid finishing bottom. You think that's going to change this year? Obviously, Williams have had a considerably better testing. Uh, Williams have had a much better testing. They're actually the team that's most improved from last year's testing to this year's testing. But again, as we always say, it's testing, fuel loads, blah, blah, all that stuff needs to be taken into account. Um, However... I do not believe Williams are going to be last in this year's championship. Okay, big call. Do you think it's going to be Haas by any chance? I think it's going to be Haas. <laughs> I do. Um, and the reason why I say that is I don't see AlphaTauri finishing last. They actually put in some, some decent times in testing. Overall, they, they had both Alfa Romeo and Haas behind them on the, on the overall timesheets. I just... Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be Haas. Um, Williams are showing signs of improvements, like leaps and bounds compared to last year. AlphaTauri are always going to have that Red Bull backing, which means there's money readily available. I just don't see it being Alfa Romeo. So yeah, my prediction is that Haas are going to be last. If, if that happens, if they finish bottom... Can you see them sticking around in the sport much longer? We've uh, Anyone who's watched uh, the most recent season of Drive to Survive will see uh, Gene Haas was, you know, given the whole, well, if we're not going to be competitive in, in, the, in the sport, then I don't really want to be in it. Um, do you think maybe we could, we could be seeing the last of them in the next few years? That was an interesting thing from Gene Haas because he's always struck me as such a racer, you know, the type of guy who will push to the last minute, push to the last cent. But having said that, he has basically his entire American operation to take care of. I think if Haas do finish last, Gene Haas will probably give it another season or two, but I don't think he'll be signing a long-term Concord agreement. Um, In fact, I don't... They're hoping to get the Concord Agreement signed in the next couple of months because it does expire at the end of the season. Um, I think I think Haas is going to put a, a little note there that if for any reason they finish last this year or next year, they can withdraw sooner rather than later. 
It'll be disappointing because they do bring something different to the mix. I mean, aside from uh, aside from Gunther Steiner, Haas is a good team. Haas is Haas is an interesting team. They kind of like that. They kind of like that little sibling that you really want to see do well, but at the same time drives you to a point of distraction and frustration. Unlike others, the team has made some horrendous mistakes, which they shouldn't be making in the pits and things like that. So, yeah, I hope Haas don't put if they do finish last, but I do think Haas is going to finish last and Williams will be just ahead of them. It's just the classic kind of underdog story, isn't it, Haas? You know, you, you, F1, it's, you've got the, the works teams, which obviously have huge amounts of money. You've got uh, Racing Point now, who have a billionaire in charge and are becoming Aston Martin. Then you've got, yeah, this little American team who came out of nowhere and are the only really brand new team in, well, I don't know, in a long time, let's just say that, to not come in and completely flop, you know? It's, uh, a lot of people maybe forget because of how bad last season was, but before that, they uh, they were genuinely competitive, you know? They finished P5 in the Constructors in 2018. So, I mean, yeah, I, I can see them finishing bottom as well this year. I just hope that whoever it is that finishes bottom, you'd think it'd be one of them. There's not going to be... You know, they'll still have, you know, maybe double figures in points. There's not just going to be one team that's way off the rest of them. Um, if we're assuming that they're going to be the bottom two fighting it out for the wooden spoon, how how well do we think Alfa Torre and Alfa Romeo are doing? Do you think we're, they're going to be fighting the top of the midfield? Uh, Alpha 1 and Alpha 2, that's an interesting one as well. I think Alpha Torre potentially has a better chance of battling the midfield. And the only reason I say that is because Alfa Romeo have that Ferrari power unit and that Ferrari power unit is not what it was last year. So I think if anybody's going to be knocking there on on the door of Renault and Racing Points and McLaren, it's going to be Alfa Tori. I don't believe they will be on the podium again this year. I remember last year they managed two. It was, well, I mean, it was unprecedented in the team's history. It was only their third podium since 2008. It was an absolutely fantastic season for the team, but I don't think it was actually a sign of things to come for them. It was, yeah, two podiums was crazy last year, but they both came courtesy of completely crazy races, which you don't get often. Uh, I think, again, after watching Drive to Survive, there's nothing I want more than Pierre Gasly to have an awesome season and just nail it and Helmut Marko and Christian Horner to just be sat there thinking, damn, maybe we were a bit harsh on him. Um, yeah, I just love to see that. In terms of the other Alpha, Alpha Romeo, do we think this is going to be Kimi's last season in the sport? It's, uh, it's a sad thought, Formula One without Kimi Raikkonen, but it's got to happen at some point, hasn't it? I would have thought it would have happened two years ago, but instead he went and signed with Alfa Romeo. I think Kimi's one of those guys who just loves to be in the car. Um, there were many a shots on social media of him in testing with the wife and the two kids there. And the fact that he can integrate his family, who he is very much in love with and very much a family guy, with this, this racing world that he also loves. Um, I think as long as he's with a team like Alfa Romeo, who allow him to do that, um, I think Kimi might actually stay around for another year or two. The question is, will Alfa Romeo want him to? Last year was all good and well. He beat Giovinazzi, but then again, I think most people would have beaten Giovinazzi. 
So it all depends what options Alpha has for next season. Yeah, I guess Mick Schumacher is probably one of the obvious options, but I don't think he'd do any better than Kimi did. And I, I think Kimi put it best himself in... Uh, we we did an article looking at, you know, the best moments from Drive to Survive. We didn't include this one because it was literally three seconds at the end of the end of the final episode. But I think it made me laugh so much. We had uh, the, the big kind of dramatic, you know, end of the series and really kind of dramatic, cringeworthy quotes from Lance Stroll saying, uh, you know, diamonds are made under pressure and all that. And then it just cuts to Kimmy, who just says, well, this is a hobby, so... I don't really have to do it. I just, you know, I, if I want to, I'll stay. I just think that sums up his whole philosophy so well, doesn't it? Oh, Kimmy's an absolute love. The things that he says, it's just, it's it's absolutely fantastic. He's just so who he is. But on that Lance Stroll quote about diamonds are made under pressure, I find that quite interesting because if you really think about the two drivers on this grid, who actually have no pressure. So one of them is Lewis Hamilton. He's a six times world champion. And the other of them is Lance Stroll, because his dad owns the team. Yeah, I, I, I thought that as well. I think he's, he's never going to lose that seat, is he? I, well, I mean, maybe his dad's a bit harsher than we thought, but it would be a pretty big shock, wouldn't it? Well, we're just going to end things today with some, uh, some outlandish predictions from both us and from some of our readers. So, uh, on Facebook and Twitter, we asked everyone to give us one of their outlandish predictions for the season ahead. We got a lot of responses from it. We had, um, some were slightly more realistic than others. Some were, I mean, yeah, outlandish to say the least. Uh, so, we're just going to read a few out. We had um, Kieran Welsh got in touch on Twitter. He said, Lance Stroll will get more podiums than Alex Albon. Um, I mean, yeah, the racing point's looking pretty handy, but that's a pretty long shot, isn't it? Um, I think that one's completely wrong. That's pretty much all I can say about that. It's just <laughs> wrong. Fair enough. One that you're probably going to agree with a bit more is on Facebook, Sam Wong says, Williams will be faster than Haas in most races, faster than Alpha in some, and faster than Alpha Tori once or twice. Uh, yeah, we obviously, we've already discussed that they're going to be, that you think they'll be quicker than Haas. Do you foresee them being that high up in some races? You never know. I mean, Alpha Tori got two podiums last year, as you said, chaotic races. So, as I said, one never knows how things are going to pan out. I do believe there will be half. I do think that they will challenge Alfa Romeo. I'm not sure if they'll knock on Alpha Tori's door, but we can hope, and I'm pretty sure Claire's hoping as well. Yeah, I think most people are hoping. It would just be, it'd be so cool just to see them be able to get back in the mix and fight for some points again. Uh, and the last one we're going to read out is from Kevin Carter on Facebook, who keeps it simple and says, Mercedes and Hamilton won't win both titles. What are your thoughts? Can you see that happening? Now, that's an interesting one. Okay. I do believe we need to give the Drivers' Championship title to Lewis, uh, mainly because I don't believe Valtteri Bortis is going to challenge him for that crown, and I don't believe the other teams can either. However, the Constructors... That's interesting, because if Alexander Albon comes to the party, he could help Red Bull to that title, along with Max Verstappen. And at the same time, Ferrari, if their drivers choose not to crash into each other like they did in Brazil last year, they also have the potential. So I actually agree with that one. I believe Lewis Hamilton will take the drivers, 
and either Red Bull or Ferrari will take the constructors, but which one, I can't tell you. I think so much rests on just how good Alex Albon is, doesn't it? If he had a good start to life at Red Bull last season, should have got himself on a podium. And, I mean, you could have argued, even last season, if Red Bull had two drivers at that level or around that level of Max Verstappen, then they would have comfortably secured P2 in the constructors. So, yeah, with a better car this year, I guess they, they got a pretty good shot going tough. It's just, I, I think Verstappen's definitely capable of it. Uh, I think he's, I'm going to go ahead and say he's going to finish P2 in the championship to Hamilton. It's just a question mark surrounding Albon, really, isn't it? Very much so. I mean, Alex, I mean, he's still unproven. Last year was his first season in Formula One. He stepped up to Red Bull. Um, I think potentially they learned from how they treated Pierre Gasly that you shouldn't actually laugh at your drivers, even if it is behind their back. Um, and they did seem to give Alex a bit more freedom, whereas Pierre, you kind of got the impression like, uh, from the, I mean, from the word go last year in pre-season testing, Pierre was in trouble for, for two crashes, and Marco let everyone know that he was in trouble. So if Red Bull learn from those lessons and give Alex a bit of freedom to actually find his feet and stuff, I do think he can rise to the challenge. He wasn't a mug in previous series. There's no reason why he should be in Formula One, unless, of course, Red Bull put the pressure on him, which, let's be honest, that can cause even the most stern and fantastic driver to crack. After what we saw with Gasly, I do really hope Albon, Albon uh, succeeds. It's, I mean, obviously, it was harsh what happened to Gasly, and you just don't want to see that again, really, do you? Um my personal outlandish prediction, which, I mean, in comparison to some of them we've got, is maybe not that outlandish, is that uh, Sebastian Vettel will beat Charles, Charles Leclerc and will do it quite comfortably. I think, yeah, like, like we said earlier, so many people have written him off, but I, I do think that this season Vettel's going to go into it knowing just how important it is for him. And I think Leclerc, maybe it was a bit of beginner's luck we got last year. So maybe it's a bit ambitious because... I'd like to see Vettel back at that level of Hamilton and Verstappen. But yeah, that's what I'm going to go for. I think Vettel's going to beat Leclerc. Saying it now. I'm with you on that one. I think he will as well. Like you say, there was beginner's luck involved in the first season. Leclerc also had absolutely no pressure on his shoulders last year. Even when he crushed and crashed in qualifying in Baku, where he was supposed to put the car on pole position, he went, oops, my bad. Ferrari went, oops, your bad. Uh, even the Italian media didn't crucify him for that. Yet Vettel kind of, if he got the hiccups in the middle of a Grand Prix, he got crucified. This year, the Italian media is going to come for Charles Leclerc as hard as they did Sebastian Vettel. So if he makes any mistakes, that kid's going to be the headline and not, not headlines forgiving him like they were last year, but headlines absolutely lambasting him for it. And there's nothing quite like the wrath of the Tifosi to, to really sort of bring out the stern stuff that a driver's made of. Um, I think that coupled with Vettel going, okay, you've had your shots, now let me show you how it's done. Vettel's going to come up top in their battle. I think as well, the the expectations are kind of switched around this year. Last year we kind of thought, oh yeah, Vettel's going to maintain his number one position, Leclerc's going to be at number two. He maybe give Vettel a bit more of a challenge than Kimi did, but... That's about it. And I think that really helped Leclerc just to have that kind of less pressure on it. And this year it's switched around and that Vettel is 
seen by most to be, have that number two role now and not be able to challenge Leclerc. So I think he, I think he might thrive under that kind, the slightly decreased expectations. Um, you've you've made a few outlandish predictions in this episode. Which one you're gonna stick by? Which one you're gonna say now and uh, be confident that that's gonna happen? Williams will not finish bottom of the log this season. All right, you heard it here first. Williams are not going to finish bottom. Thanks to everyone for getting in touch with us and answering our questions. Uh, we'll be putting them out on social media before recording every episode, so make sure you keep an eye on our Facebook page, Planet F1, and our Twitter page, which is Planet underscore F1. That's just about everything for today, so just to wrap up, Michelle, excited for the first race of the season, are we? Very excited. I'm uh, very excited to hear that we're actually going to the first race of the season as well. Um, other sporting fixtures are, are losing, well, they're losing fixtures hand over foot. Uh, Formula One is adamant it is going to Australia and we'll be there to enjoy all the action and hopefully see somebody, aside from Ferrari, Red Bull or Mercedes on the podium. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Like you said, it looks like the Formula One season will be going off without a hitch, and that means this podcast will also be doing so. So join us again in a couple of weeks' time for us to dissect everything that happened in Australia. See you there. Bye. We're funny creatures as humans. Impulsive, stubborn. We procrastinate for eternity and make decisions on a whim. Can we ever say with complete certainty where our choices are going to take us? Just remember, once in a while, we get it right. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota, the world's best-selling hybrid electric cars. Toyota, built for a better world. Claim source EV volumes and industry data. See toyota.ie forward slash verification. Sports Social Podcast Network.